Hi guys, welcome to Jules and Phoebe, the bi-weekly pop culture and social commentary podcast brought to you by yours truly, Jules and Phoebe. Hello Jules. Hi Phoebe, how are you? Good, how are you today? How is lockdown treating you this week? Not bad. Listen, it's getting repetitive. (laughs) No, actually, shout out to my friend Sabina. So she had like the best lockdown Zoom birthday party on Friday last weekend, which was super cool. Like it was amazing. So they basically um, had two DJ sets. So her brother is a really great DJ and her boyfriend is also a great DJ. So we were all connected like. Oh, my God. No way. That's so clever. So it's sick. So they had a website where they were DJing and then we all connected on Zoom and She's based in Dublin. Her brother is based in Zurich. So it was like a joint birthday for them. And then people connected from London, from the Middle East, from all over Europe. She's Italian. So like a whole Italian crew called in and it was just such a good time. I did see you looking dressed up on Instagram, actually, now that you Yeah, I thought, let me actually wear something that's not (laughs) active wear. So I had such a good time. So Sabina, if you listen to this, thank you so much and happy birthday. Happy birthday, Sabina. I do love how creative people are getting with these things. Like, obviously, I'm a little bit Zoom saturation point, but I love the effort that people are putting in. Because I think I've mentioned already on a previous episode that I've got a nephew now who's over in Spain, baby Alberto. But I don't think I told you I also have a little niece. Oh, my Um, goodness. A niece from where? So Charles has two brothers and one of them, he and his wife had a baby boy, Alberto, and then Charles's other brother and his girlfriend welcomed baby Grace like literally two wow. weeks Wow. I know. Wow. So where, where's your baby? I know. No, stop. We've spoken about this before and about like broodiness and like I often think about the financials of things and blah, blah, blah. But I tell you what, if I don't get my hands on one of those babies soon... I did not know that I would be this kind of an auntie. So I'm sure that people who are listening who maybe have had a child come into their lives, be it niece, nephew, younger cousin, whatever, can maybe attest to what I'm saying here. But Charles and I are like baby bonkers at the moment. I have spent so much money and so much time browsing. Every internet algorithm I have is just baby clothes now. No, that's super nice. I've got two nephews. Yes. I wouldn't describe myself as baby bonkers. <laughs> you, you've actually inspired me to be more proactive. <laughs> you know what? On it. There are such cute baby clothes brands. And I know that like it's easy now because they're not my kids. So I don't have to think about the functionality of anything. So I can just be like, oh my God, baby aviators. They're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So you've got Alberta who lives in Spain mm-hmm. and then where and does Gracie live? Gracie lives in Manchester. So okay, not far. So you can visit once exactly. the lockdown is over. But far. So just waiting for everything to, to wind down. Although we were talking about it before the episode this evening and we're thinking July might be the earliest that we can see everyone. So obviously it could be worse. That's a really... Probably not flying anywhere in July. No, 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 no. That's Drive definitely... Drive to Manchester. I know. I think probably because I know that I want to see my niece and nephew, I'm like, all right, let's wrap it up, guys. Come on. <laughs> wrap what up? This quarantine. Like, oh, we need the quarantine. to come to an end quicker. Yeah, no, we'll see. I mean, things are starting to open up slowly anyway. But I was quite stressed out last week. But you know what? I'm so blessed. Sorry, guys. But I'm so blessed because I'm somebody that, you know, if I get very frustrated, I do 
kind of take that and turn it into something positive. So I was feeling quite stressed. And then I ended up running a half marathon on Sunday. I did see that. <laughs> so I was like, okay, go, go Jules, go you. And trust me, if we weren't in quarantine and if I wasn't stressed out, I don't think I'd be spending all that time outside running. So that was my first half marathon ever. So I was quite proud of that. Amazing. Well done. Yeah. So that's basically a summary of my week. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I did see this week that I thought was interesting, I think that when you talk about that frustration, that's maybe causing people to do things that they wouldn't necessarily do, even though you've said you often take frustration and turn it into something positive. I don't know if you saw any of the stuff about Taylor Swift in like the past week, 10 days. Taylor Swift is so not on my radar. I spend (laughs) on average five to six hours on a screen. And she has not crossed my screen for a week. I honestly thought you were going to say I spend about five to six hours a year thinking about Taylor Swift. And I was going to say, that's actually a lot, Juliet. So, <laughs> look, as a, as a roundup, Taylor Swift's initial record label was Big Machine. They have all of her masters, blah, blah, blah. It was sold last year to Scooter Braun, who manages people like, I think, Ariana Grande, uh, Justin Bieber. Yeah. Yeah. And basically, so now he's in ownership of her original masters. She says that she tried to buy them back from him. He wouldn't let her. I guess he was planning on making a lot of money from them, maybe the licensing of them in television adverts, film, whatever. She has blocked those. Now... We will probably have some people listening to the podcast who really like Taylor Swift. We'll probably have some people listening to the podcast who really don't. I probably feel like I fall quite in the middle on it. The reason I bring it up is because Scooter Braun and his purchasing of Big Machine was backed by Carlisle Group and the Soros family or George Soros. For anyone who's not listening, you should definitely look into it. It's interesting, but he is essentially a liberal, philanthropic investor donator blah blah blah. he is often eviscerated in the far right as someone who is no good shady dealings anyway long story short basically big machine was releasing a kind of a a repackaging of some of taylor swift's live performances it was due to come out over the past week And she tweeted, I want to thank my fans for making me aware that my former label is putting out an album of live performances of mine tonight. I just wanted to let you know that this release is not approved by me. I don't believe it has to be because they're not like she doesn't have ownership of her masters. It looks like Scooter Braun and his financial backers, 23 Capital, Alex Soros and the Soros family and the Carlisle Group has seen the latest balance sheets and realized that paying 330 million for my music wasn't exactly a wise choice and they need money. She then went on to talk about like basically their disgusting greed. And the reason- I can assure everyone listening to this podcast that George Soros and the Carlisle Group don't need money. Right. Now- They're good. You say that. And when I first heard it, I was so confused that I actually Googled the assets under management of Carlisle Group and the George Soros's personal net worth. His personal net worth is 8.1 billion. And I believe Carlisle Group have somewhere in the region of 200 billion in assets under management. That's not to say 330 million is not a big chunk of change. However, they are not like... 
they will recoup that basically yeah um now what's interesting to me is like i don't know if you'll recall but there was a significant period of time when taylor swift was being very much so held up as like the pinnacle of beauty and grace and this like Aryan all american exactly blonde uh, hair yeah. blue eyes gun toting nashville princess basically and was basically being called this Aryan queen by the far right and i think like a legitimate critique of taylor swift at the time was that she would not come out and say i'm not interested in being your Aryan queen blah 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 again i'm sure swifties who are listening to this will be like oh that's not true blah 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 i'm talking about this as someone who is interested enough in celebrity culture to have been exposed to it but isn't maybe vested in either side what i think is interesting then is there was a slight pivot on taylor swift's part in the most recent like minor elections governor elections maybe in the the u.s and she advocated for the democratic nominee in her state and everyone took this to mean oh amazing like no she is a liberal after all like she she's never she's been one of those celebrities who never said who they voted for has never thrown their weight behind a particular presidential nominee or made their political affiliations known. So people were very much so like, oh my gosh, she is a liberal. Like, it's okay. She does stand up for what's right, blah, blah, blah. Is she now dog whistling by talking about the shameless greed when Soros is in particular often looked at by the far right as kind of a, a euphemism almost for... Jewish people, Jewish people running the banks, holding all of the money, mm. the kind of the Shylock stereotype. And this is what some people are saying online. It's really tricky with someone like Taylor Swift because she is quite ambiguous about her position. I don't know enough about her and what she's about to kind of say, oh, she's dog whistling to the far right. Mm-hmm. I definitely know because I've been aware of like, you know, all these things around like her politics and when she came out. And she did support that Democratic nominee. So she was really happy to kind of flirt with the far right. You know, she didn't want to upset her fans. And I think that there's legitimacy in that. You know, she's an artist. And I don't think we should always look to artists for political opinions, right? It's really difficult to kind of see what her intention is. I think she's just pissed off. I'm sure she's just mad and this is the only leverage that she's got really that is that is probably true so just to again so the the second part of that tweet was just another case of shameless greed in the time of coronavirus so tasteless but very transparent she put coronavirus in that tweet she put coronavirus in that tweet so let's be real like that's really bad stop completely shameless like don't use coronavirus to market the fact that you're irritated that you don't own your masters right and I just think as well it's like say you wanted to give the benefit of the doubt at this point and say maybe she said shameless greed and she wasn't really thinking and as you said she's lashing out she's saying something like that because she's frustrated because she doesn't own her masters blah 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 at this point we know that there is that negative that is that anti-semitic trope Mm in the media of Jewish people being the gatekeepers of the money that, you know, this kind of this lizard tree people trope almost. And I think that whether or not you mean it in a way that you are just lashing out 
it is your responsibility, like as a celebrity, as a person who is held to a standard and as someone who knows that when they tweet something like that, it's going to make headlines. You have a responsibility to make sure that your language is as neutral as possible. I mean, I personally think people can share their opinions. I do believe in freedom of speech. So she can share her opinions because Taylor Swift is quite sophisticated. Mm. And the fact that she put coronavirus in there, the fact that she put greed in there, these are all buzzwords. These are all things that you know are going to trigger people and people will have an opinion on. And George Soros was actually, you know, there was someone that like sent fake bombs out to Obama supporters or people that were against Trump a couple of years ago when Trump was first elected. And George Soros actually received a fake bomb threat. So we all know, like, this is pop culture. Like, it's not something that we don't know, right? So it's all a bit murky just because she's somebody who is so sophisticated with the media. Right. And I would also say at this point, Scooter Braun and David Rubenstein, who's the founder of the Carlyle Group, are also Jewish. Mm. So... It's just, I don't know, like for me, I was a bit like, you know what, if it's intentional on her part, it's probably quite a well-played game because the people who hear the negative of that or, or who read between the lines will be delighted that their Aryan princess has returned to form. However, mm. if she did not mean it, you do have a responsibility to think very long and hard. You did not need to bring Carlisle Group or George Soros into your, your team, argument yeah. at this point. Yeah. So, yeah, I've, I've been ruminating on that, but um, also have been incredibly lazy to talk to people over the past, like, as I said, week, 10 days. So the only person who's been hearing my thought process on this has been Charles. And I tell you what, he's not interested. <laughs> I was just about to ask you, what does he have to say? It's so difficult for me because I, like I said, you know, I spend about six hours a day on a screen. Mm-hmm. Probably half of that time is on Instagram. And OK, no, OK hopefully not half of that time is on Instagram, but a lot of it is on social media and I haven't really come across it. And Taylor Swift is not someone I really gravitate towards. Mm. She's so insincere. She's so manipulative. I feel like she is the real life Karen. Yeah, Karen is a new slur. And she's definitely a Karen. There's just something about her that I just don't gravitate towards. And you know, if she was um, kind of stoking sort of anti-Semitic sentiment, shame on you. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's cool. No, no, what? There's an interesting angle to this as well, where obviously at this point in time, for any of our like finance geeks or speculative finance geeks out there, like there's obviously an interesting angle here in terms of if she keeps blocking the licensing opportunities because Scooter Braun has to run any licensing opportunities past her, she has to give her permission before any song can be used in an advertisement, in a film, on television, as I was saying. If she keeps doing that, his investment, his 333 million that the Carlyle Group, 23 Capital, Soros family have backed him with, starts to look more and more and more like a weight around his neck. Now, if we're so, talking about because Taylor, he'll sell, it's not he'll true. sell, but will he sell to her? That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. if she can then, because she maybe wasn't prepared to spend 330 million, she might be prepared to spend whatever 150 million, maybe, maybe even less, maybe less than 100 million, whatever. If we're talking about Taylor Swift, someone who's playing the financial long game and is like, I'm going to block him off at every turn until he has to sell my masters back to me. That's something that, like, I'm. I could get behind Taylor on. If we're talking about someone who's 
quote unquote accidentally dog whistling the far right with anti-Semitic rhetoric, then that's something that I'm a bit less <laughs> less cheerleading for. Yeah, in regards to her masters, you know, you don't need to make money on them in the short term. Like you don't need short term opportunities. You can just sit on that and the the value is going to go up because she's a big, big star. Yeah. So I think either way, they're good. I don't think anyone's up at night thinking about Taylor Swift masters apart from her. That is probably true. Anyway, it was just something that really captured my attention. And I wanted to discuss it with you because even though Taylor Swift might not fall within your kind of realm of interest I knew that you'd have an yeah there's just something about her that I'm not really into I'm not even really sure exactly what it is you know what it's been interesting and I would like your view on in terms of lockdown and you have been putting quite a few of these posts out there that whole thing about testing people's loyalty in lockdown Mm -hmm. and I've seen you know I saw a couple of you know stuff on online and people are like oh it's so toxic to test people's loyalty in lockdown you know it's not all about you now I don't know where you fall on this so I'll say my piece for fear that I that you are the opposite and then I end up like tampering my view on it I actually think that it is horrendous but where is this coming from I'm trying to understand because you've posted about this a few times so something happened Oh, nothing has happened directly to me. However, there are people in my like social media circle who will think nothing of posting like, you know, sometimes people let you down and that's just it. You know, remember who had your back. Remember who called you. Like sometimes the the whole weekend will go by and my phone won't ring. And I'm just like, you know what? You don't, you're not aiming this at me. Or at least I hope for your sake that you're not aiming this at me. But holy shit grow up Mm. like if your phone isn't ringing all weekend you've definitely not rang anyone either so this like toxic mentality that people have got to be checking in on you all the time is just wrong there was a a tweet that I saw and you know somebody said oh you know who your friends are in lockdown or you know who your friends are in a pandemic like check on your loved ones or something like this and it was Tamira Maori right and somebody said oh this is really toxic and like my view is I don't see why it's toxic to expect your loved ones to check on you in a pandemic now I think it's toxic if you yourself are not checking in on people yeah if you don't check on people yeah if you don't check on people but you expect people to check on you you know I think that's super problematic but like I've got friends who I don't speak to on a daily basis but then I know that they work on the front line and I'm going to reach out to them and say I just hope you and your family are safe we're thinking of you at this time and I think one of the benefits of the pandemic is you taking time for your loved ones or taking time Mm -hmm. for your friends that you probably didn't have that time before right Um, and I've connected and like spoken to you know some of my mates who don't live in London just on a deeper level Mm-hmm. so when I saw that I was like the I thing find it interesting is- that it's like toxic like basically the fact is if you care about people you'll check on them yes however like if unless you are in a bad emotional state or you're going right. to do something yourself right so we know that everyone you know people have things going on but let's say I know you I know you've got nothing going on and we don't speak during the pandemic what does that say about our friendship well again though like say if you use me as that example, like, yeah, everything is going well from a purely superficial perspective. Like I've been dropping people a line, I've had Zoom calls, whatever. But at the same time, like 
my husband isn't working. We are a salary short in our house. And I think that even though we are absolutely fine and we're in the very fortunate position that my salary can support two of us, I think that when people say like, well, who's checking in on you? Like, we're all just at home. There's nothing else going on. Like, you got to take into account the minutiae of people's lives yes. have really been upended. And I think that this is what's like fucking, was it Tia or Tamara, Maori? I thought it was. Whichever one it was. Like, do you know what Tamara. I mean? Please, you and I are not in the same position. You are not thinking, oh, fuck. Like, yeah, I hope that's why I felt in the context of them being celebrities, you know, and let's say, you know, typically whatever situation you have, your friends mirror that right mm. so you know that your friends can afford to not be working for this month and you're like oh wow I haven't heard from anyone it's definitely case by case and definitely. if you are not checking in on people then you definitely can't expect people to check on you but I have a fundamental like value that I'll take time to check on yeah no for sure friends. and I do think that you know if you can a text where you just say, like, listen, just checking in. Hope everything's going well. Yeah. Really look forward to seeing you when all of this is over. Most people are in the position where they're like, oh, listen, I'm actually not looking to have, like, a whole fucking conversation. Mm. I'm good. I hope you're good. Great. Like, we'll catch up properly. I'd like to see you face-to-face kind of thing. But I think that the this idea of, like, if you can't conceive anybody else's personal situation, and I've got friends who have been laid off, who then subsequently have had to lay people off, people who run their own businesses, people who work in the wedding industry, in the food catering industry. And like, when you're reaching out to them, it's not true altruism, unless you're actually saying like, listen, I want to drop you a line. I want to make sure that you're okay. If there's anything I can do, like you said, I've got friends who work on frontline and I've said listen if there's food deliveries anything like that that we can do for you just let us know the idea that you'd be tweeting or posting on Instagram being like huh my phone hasn't been ringing is like (laughs) are you keeping a kind of a, a, a score tally of who you've reached out to and who's gotten back to you because I tell you what like and I say this completely genuinely Juliet and I know that you'll agree with me there are some people who have never listened to an episode of this podcast and who have never reblogged left a review sent us feedback and they'd be the first to be like watch out who supports your business (laughs) that is so true I definitely agree with that I think for me though because I'm definitely somebody who has to be so conscious about my friendships and where I put my time Mm -hmm. because I'm somebody that can literally just go and put in a lifetime worth of time and effort into someone and then I realize like down the road damn that friendship is one way Mm -hmm. so I'm very sympathetic when people who are like me are in a situation where they're like wow like I can list 10 things I've done to support this person and I haven't even got a text from them Mm -hmm. during this period Mm -hmm. so that's why I'm, I'm always a bit more sympathetic because there's always I mean there's an underlying thing yeah some people might be narcissistic but like there's usually like a story behind it No, that's true. And I think that sometimes as well, you have to take the additional time to think like what that story might be. And one of my very close friends, I actually may have said it before on this podcast, she works in mental health, and she's just so thoughtful about how she approaches things. Mm. And when we started this podcast, I, I saw her not long afterwards. And she said to me, like, you know what, I couldn't get in touch with you after you first started it, because 
I was so jealous and I'm not jealous. I wasn't jealous because I want to do a podcast, but I was jealous because you had something that you wanted to do and you just did it, even though it was out of your comfort zone. And I had to really sit with that jealousy and like say to myself, why has this bothered me? Like, I don't want to do this myself. And once I realized it was the comfort zone aspect, I was able to say like, actually, this is a really cool thing. And Jesse, if you're listening, I think about that all the time because I honestly think it's one of the most astute things anybody's ever said. Yeah. What is your reason for not getting in touch? Or what is their reason for not getting in touch? Before you react, is there something more here? Sometimes people just don't have the capacity to be like, hey, like, how are you? Mm. And that's why, you know, when I see like people with their outbursts on social media, I try to think what's going on behind that. Because when I look at myself, I think I'm a giver. Naturally, that's just my disposition. And I had to really look at myself. I saw a meme actually on Instagram and it basically said, if you do something for someone that they won't do for you, that's toxic. And then I read, uh, there was another like post, I think, on one of the psychology Instagrams I follow. And it was saying that when people are anxious, you can go into hyper productivity, Mm -hmm. running a half marathon, or you can go into under productivity. I'm not going to get out of bed. I'm the kind of person that goes into over productivity. I'm like, what problem do I need to solve? okay, let, boom, let me check on that person, let me do this, you know, and that's basically my personality. So knowing that, that I end up overextending myself and doing things for people that they didn't even ask me mm-hmm. to do, I try to monitor my friendships really closely. And when I see there's a huge imbalance, if I'm like doing above 50%, I'm like, mate, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I know the way that I am. Yeah. You know? And then also, and I, and I was thinking, you know, how come... I tend to attract the people that would do like 10%. And it's because we feed off others' energy. So people who are like predators, they know when someone's a potential victim. Yeah. Not saying that I'm a potential victim, but I said, wow, there must be something about me in my initial connection with people where I'm so earnest and so giving that they think, oh, damn, I can sit back. Well, also, I think so that that's like... the context of my life. So that's why <laughs> if I haven't heard from you during lockdown, do this. <laughs> No, but I also think that like if you are someone who has had relatively low key friendships, then if you meet someone who's like, yeah, no, you know what, I'm going to give you 90%. I've got a friend, like quite honestly, I sometimes feel mortified because she is so thoughtful. And I think of myself as a thoughtful person, but she'll just be like, hey, I've popped a little something in the post for you, just thinking about you. And I'll be like, the shame that immediately washes (laughs) over me. I'm like, oh my God. I'm going to send something in the post to you. And then you're like, that's not meaningful. Like if I just send you something because you've just told me that you've sent something like, and she won't be saying it for praise. She'll just be like, listen, keep an eye out. I've popped a little something in the post. Just, I think it's nice to receive a letter just while everything's going on. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah, but you're someone that would appreciate a gesture like that. If somebody is doing that type of thing for somebody who doesn't even appreciate the gesture, or if you've been in the relationship with the person for so long that they start to take it for granted, mm-hmm. you know, and then you're at home isolated during a pandemic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no, going to really make you triggered and you're going to start putting random things on social media. But I always put the onus on yourself. How do you change, right? If you want a different result, you have to change. I wanted different results. So... I had to change my approach. Yeah, no, it's true. Kira, it won't occur to me to send you a parcel, 
because I'm not as thoughtful as you. So I'm going to pop a note in my diary and hopefully when things have calmed down, yeah, you'll receive something. So I just want to let you know, I really yeah. appreciate you. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think it's so powerful when, you know, your friend could say, you know, I couldn't contact you straight away because, you know, I was just basically jealous of the fact that you got up and did what you said you were going to do, right? And when I think about a friendship, I think the bare minimum is checking in on mm-hmm. each other or whatever, supporting each other, however way you choose to show that. Then once you've really got that basic, then you've got that trust and you've got that safety in your friendship. You can then have a conversation like that. Yeah, no. If we I- don't even have the fundamentals. Like, mate, I really just don't have time. Post-COVID-19, like if we don't have the basics of, okay, let me see how my friend is doing and this is like you know you don't have to check in every single day then that means that we can't even get to that point where we can have a conversation like the one you and your friend had now right what I would say about that is if I see you fucking posting about it on social media like no one's been in touch that does not incentivize me to get in touch with you like this kind of petulant. Who are you talking to? I feel like you're speaking to someone so specific. If you're listening to this and you think <laughs> it's about you, it probably is. No, I'm joking. There is no one in my immediate circle who has been doing that. But I, in my past, there have been people like that. There have been friends like that. There have been people in my social circle who will post things like that. And you immediately feel the panic of like, is this me? Now, if your friend can't say to you, Jules, like, I'm disappointed. I haven't heard from you. Like, I just wanted to make sure everything's okay just so you know, like X, Y, Z is going on with me. Um, But thinking of you, whatever, I don't know what your situation is. Like the presumptive, listen, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. You may have not been in touch because you've had other stuff going on and you may have just forgotten, but here I am. I just want to let you know, like I'm a bit lonely at the moment. Please do not be posting on social media about how you deserve people to get in touch with you. Like if you, as you said yourself, do not have the foundation laid of a, a reciprocity or b channel of communication like this is not what instagram is for well that is definitely what instagram is for i'm here (laughs) for it guys (laughs) i I support you because i love a little bit of drama on instagram i mean one of my friends at the beginning of the lockdown was like let's catch up let's catch up i haven't spoken to you in a while jules like how's it going and then when, when we did catch up she was like i've literally been chasing you to catch up with you right Oh my what the God. hell is going on? And then I was like, wow, you are so right. You were the crusty crab meme. Yeah, I was like, this is all the stuff, you know, that's been going on with me. Like, I'm I'm really grateful, you know, that we can have this time to catch up and, you know, just reconnect. Mm-hmm. But the funny part is when you take the time to say to someone, oh, this is how I feel. I feel like I've had to chase you for this catch up or whatever. And the person flips out. <laughs> that's like... It's really like complicated with friendships, but I think if somebody can come to you and say, this is how I feel, this is the situation as I see it, like I'm always open to that. I think it's really amazing because a lot of people just ghost you. Yeah. They'll just ghost their friend. I know you've ghosted your friends, that's why you're sighing. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I don't know that I've ever ghosted a friend. I've definitely ghosted boys I've dated or men I've dated. But what I have done in friendships before, when I've recognized the toxic behavior, I've just been like, nah, I'm out, like, block them on Facebook or block them on social media and then been like, I don't need this. Yeah. So that's the best way. Clean slate. Clean slate. Although then you do have to be like, there's a certain part where you have to accept that they are probably saying that you're fucking crazy. 
and perhaps yeah. no one's going to be like, I don't think that she is that crazy. Yeah. Um, but there's always a bad guy. There's always and a bad guy. Sometimes, like, you know, you have to and be sometimes it is you. Yeah, and sometimes it's you. You have to be willing to be the bad guy. Yeah, so it's post-COVID, yeah, dynamics are going to change. Yes, there will definitely be a, an adjustment period, I think, post-COVID. I want to talk to you about an article that I read that I've not been able to stop thinking about. In tandem with the Taylor Swift debacle. I really hope this is a bit more interesting because that tw- Taylor Swift nearly put me to sleep. <laughs> can't be talking you. about the most powerful woman in the freaking world. Crying <laughs> <laughs> about her masters. So the article I read is actually, I read it for the first time a year ago. And it was something that was always like bubbling in the back of my mind. And the reason it came to the forefront of it again is because over lockdown, Charles and I have watched the Matrix trilogy for the first time. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I know. Like, I just never, I like sci fi, but I just had not been into that, basically. So, if you have or haven't watched The Matrix, you will probably be familiar with the idea of the blue pill, the red pill that Neo is offered in the first movie. It's like blue pill is to know the truth, right? Red pill is to whatever. I obviously wasn't watching it that closely. Um, (laughs) Anyway, the reason that then it then brought this article to the forefront of my mind again is because the article in question was about the incel movement. And incel stands for involuntary celibate. I don't know if you know anything about this or if you've encountered this term before. Are those the the guys that are on the dark web? They're on 4chan? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Five points for me. (laughs) Honestly... So this That's article, the only thing I know. I don't know much about it. We will post the link to this article in the show notes because it is such a fascinating read. But the full title of it is How Many Bones Would You Break to Get Laid? Incels are going under the knife to reshape their faces and their dating prospects. Now, the key thing is to remember with this whole incel movement is where they populate, where they congregate. Incels.me is a website. They got kicked off Reddit, basically. So. Mm-hmm. How toxic do you have to be to get kicked off Reddit? I'm now so deep down the rabbit hole, I have a Reddit account and I keep looking for them. <laughs> so <laughs> they're also on 4chan, but I refuse to go on that because I have heard that that is just like the worst of the worst. Anyway, if you had to summarize or synopsize the incel movement into a couple of bullet points, it's basically that people fall into a couple of different categories, right? So there's chads who are good looking men good-looking men with like good bone structure who can basically have sex with or sleep with whoever they want they never have issues getting with women there are then your betas beta men are men who end up with like attractive women but they'll only have ended up with those attractive women I think after the women are past the age of 30 and so their prime years are gone now the themes here are that the thought process or like the viewpoints of these women is so toxic that it would honestly make your skin crawl. Um, the viewpoints of the women or the men? Of the men of these women. Okay. So the way they see women is that, you know, women are just sluts, they're whores, they're happy to do whatever for their Chad. Chad can do whatever he wants once Chad has gotten sick of them because Chad will always be focused on like the younger than you are, the pretty <laughs> model. Those women then will end up with the betas and the incels will just never get laid, as it were. Yeah, but is it beta and then incel? I believe so. Now, if someone wants to get in touch with me and tell me that I'm wrong, 
that's absolutely great I would love to learn more about this I'm obsessed as I said Mm. now obviously because once you're in the group it's not like they're providing a glossary so even when I've been reading the threads it's not like a very comprehensive breakdown yeah but those are the main groups those are the main groups it is incredible so I was circulating this article to a lot of my friends and off the back of it, one of my best friends sent me an article in response about a film that was supposed to premiere at South by Southwest this Mm. year, but obviously has been cancelled due to coronavirus, called TFW No GF, which is basically that feel when no girlfriend, which is a well-known meme And is basically like a deep dive on the incel movement. And what was really interesting in this Guardian article about the documentary is that they were pointing out we have not yet found a way to talk about the incel movement that isn't either out-and-out condemnation or pity, like, oh, these guys just need a job and a girlfriend and then they'll be okay. And so when you mentioned earlier their patron saint, and I said Elliot Rogers, Elliot Rogers is the Isla, or Roger, excuse me, is the Isla Vista killer from about 2013, 2014. Mm. And he wrote the 140-page manifesto about how he was a virgin, how people owed him sex, how he had always been cast aside by the pretty girls, but now he was going to make them pay. And I think he killed six and injured 13. Three were shot, three were stabbed. He, sorry, shot including himself in his car. And then he he injured a further 13. So the toxicity of this group is so pervasive. And the original article that I'm talking about, the, the one from The Cut, talks about how these men want to literally change their physical appearance because the mindset is so toxic that they believe that the only reason that they can't get laid, as it were, is because of their physical appearance personality never comes into it women are just like vile insipid creatures so there's no point in trying to be friends with them because they're so awful (laughs) yeah Um, you just got to get a nose job a chin implant a jaw implant and then your life will change for the better and guys please if you are interested in the incel movement please will you get in touch with me because I can't stop thinking about it, I can't stop talking about it, and my husband is getting so sick of me because I keep now peppering our conversations with the vernacular that I am reading in these threads, and he's like, what are you talking about? Because they call women like foids, which is like feminoid or something like that, so I was like, do you think I'm a foid? And he was like, I am literally going to delete Reddit off your phone if you're not careful. We've already established that Phoebe's husband is very good looking, so... I don't think Chad. he's ever had a problem attracting whoever he wants to attract. I think for me, it's like so dark and twisted. And I've never really come across, like when I think about this, I don't think I even know a human being like this. So this is the thing. I don't think that you will. I don't think that I will either. I went to a girls school, girls a secondary school. I went to a mixed sixth form. If any of the incel guys were there, like I cannot remember them. But I also think, think about the type of person you are. Yeah. Vivacious, chatty, extroverted. Even the industry that you work in probably does not have a huge amount of introverted, non-go-getters almost. Yeah, and I work with a lot of, what's the first one? The first level? Chad. Chad. (laughs) (laughs) The guys I work with are getting it in. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. So I have to 
of this yeah. just so that you fully understand right so there's a couple of people who appear throughout the body or throughout the course of the article and um, this particular one the paragraph reads the sight of certain women began to bother him when a woman he hired turned out to be beautiful he fumed online an eight out of ten girl works for me since today i'm going to dominate the hell out of her trust me i'm going to kill her confidence mm. women with babies ignited anger too Every time I pass by a pram, it fills me with disgust to know that she has ruined her body and chosen to reproduce with another guy. But where does uh, this come from? Where does it where does it and this is the thing, right? Like we've been talking about the internet a lot, I think, mm-hmm. over the course of this episode. I think that the internet, social media, so on can be such an incredible tool. Mm. Now, it obviously also breeds subcultures, subuniverses like this. One of the sites in which these guys meet on is called slut hate 10,000 registered users it's just it's beyond and you're right you probably don't know I don't think that as a global movement this is something that's got like hundreds of thousands of followers but they refer to Elliot Rogers as their patron saint and there are other toxic men within the the kind of celebrity sphere that they refer to as like their founding fathers and the men who like really lead the way. The whole thing is so hyperbolic. The whole thing is so not rooted in reality that it's awful to think that you could just survive in this echo chamber. So and I think you, that if you're sorry to interrupt, no so if you are an incel, you you have to be a virgin to be an incel. So there is an element I think where it's okay to have paid for sex. <laughs> Honestly, so you you are either a a virgin or you have paid for sex, mm-hmm. but you've never had a woman give you sex freely, basically. Basically. Now, the thing is, if that is you and you are self-conscious about that fact, and then suddenly you happen upon a group of people who are like, that's okay, that's normal, because women are whores. Are you vulnerable? I just Googled this because I'm, I'm so blown away because I know I've heard of the incel thing, but I've never looked into it. But this guy says that he's got tons of friends. Nobody knew I was an incel. Women think I'm awesome, just not sexually. I have tons of friends and some of my job roles include sales and relationship management. These are the jobs of extroverts uh, or typically, you know, people that don't mind uh, socializing. You would never know. And the reason being is because most people don't know the incel mindset. It's happening often. You just don't see it. But it's there. When I tried getting out of my defeatism, I met many incels who blew my mind when I found out they were incels. So all these chads that I'm working with, some of them might be incels. Some of them might be incels. And this is the thing. None of it's rooted in reality. They're talking about chads here. And when they talk about chads, they are those guys who are praised day and night for their top tier genetics, making a shit ton of money, getting insane amounts of validation, never having to worry about paying the rent or any of that bullshit. All they think about is their next football match. I don't know if I want to finish this sentence, but I'm going to. For the interest of freedom of speech, all they think about is their next football match and coming home and having threesomes with two supermodels. (laughs) Supermodels who puke at the thought of touching you. Guys, that is no one. That's That's literally no no one. one. That's no one. That's ridiculous. It's so ludicrous. And you, this us and them mentality, again, it seems like that exists throughout the internet in 
all of its forms I guess it just depends on the strength of as I said guys I will link the article it is absolutely fascinating the film as well that feel when their girlfriend is also on Amazon and it's on Amazon until I think the 6th of May um oh it's on Amazon yeah so in front of the paywall because it was an Amazon film that was supposed to premiere at south by southwest but obviously that's cancelled cancelled now if you have an amazon prime i think you can watch it past may 6th which i think most do um i don't think i could watch something like this because it's just so toxic and negative mm -hmm. and you know i don't pity an incel oh no take control of your life like well, because an incel hates you. Get, yeah, an incel hates me. Take control of your life. Go get counselling. Like. I Yeah, absolutely. I can't fathom being able to be like, I want to learn more about you. I want to help you heal because he wants to destroy your confidence. <laughs> he hates that you've ruined your body yeah. for another. Yeah, but I think it's the core of it is toxic masculinity mm-hmm. and sort of men having to be good looking, have money, get girls. It's so toxic and that's why you have the suicide rate that you do amongst men like nobody can live up to this thing yeah you know people can't live up to it obviously with the incels they're the more extreme versions the sort of extreme subculture but um Mm -hmm. ultimately it's really about toxic masculinity and unrealistic expectations absolutely and i think what's interesting as well is that no clear kind of political affiliation seems to exist here so It's a bit like the protesters in the US who have been protesting the lockdown and so on. Like a lot of these people are not necessarily Republican, but a big Republican theme seems to be coming from them because they're like NRA supporting, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. The same tendency is there with the incel movement. We want to think of them as so far removed from us. They're like the the alt-right. They are easy to spot. But as you just cited there in that article that you read... Yeah, that's obviously not the case. Really not the case. And that's why, like, when you end up interacting with people and you can tell they're a bit off, 99.9% of the time it's got nothing to do with you. The person Mm -hmm. is off and it's some deep inner child stuff going on. So I think, like, yeah, the internet can definitely radicalise people, but there has to be a seed that was sown. Yeah. What is that seed that's sown that's got somebody on that track? And, you know, in their 20s, like a 20-year-old is a full-grown man. Like, you're not 11 years old. You know, they're talking about, oh, in their 20s as if they're children. You're not children. No. You know, something has happened. So we're in a world now where women do have more opportunity. We have more rights. Mm. And unfortunately, there's a school of thought where people think that you're taking away from their opportunity. Right. Mm -hmm. So women have more choice. Oh, because the woman has more choice, she's not going to choose me. Yeah. No. That's not really how it works. There's so many variables. Yes. When somebody decides, oh, I want to sleep with someone or I want to have a relationship with someone or I want to be friends with someone. There are so many variables. And if psychologically you're already defeated, you're not in the game. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. That's how I see it. I feel like people kind of psych themselves out before they even get in the game. I I think as well, you know, it speaks so much to this kind of like... By the way, sorry, we're talking about the incel thing, but it's a very common thing. Like, you have a lot of women who are, like, very powerful and very successful, and they go home and their partner beats them up and and emotionally abuses them because they want to break their confidence. Mm -hmm. I always think about Lauren Hill. Like, Lauren Hill was such an icon, so successful, and just going home and being beaten up by her partner and Mm -hmm. abused by her partner... And then on this endless cycle of like having babies by someone that doesn't care about you. So 
it can really happen to anyone. Yeah, it's uh, so true. Yeah, and the incel are obviously the most like extreme example, but this kind of character of I want to break this woman down, this is like right. common. Oh. This is like not uncommon. For sure. I think what it does as well is it kind of like it speaks to herd mentality how quickly people want to be a part of something. We've spoken about things like this before, be it like the girl dad movement, for example. What's your beef with the girl dad movement? I don't I understand. Hate the girl dad movement. But why? It's just basically saying a man that's about his girls, raising his girls. But that's what it is. Like, that's, I think, you've just summed it up. It's that she has no more identity than just being a girl. Like, and as I said before, I think... No, this- it's about dads that have girls. Like, I've got two colleagues that only have girls as their kids like they don't have any any boys so it's really about men who have girls that's right. all it is I know that's all it is it's like oh, the flimsiest of movements it's no, nothing it's just a hashtag it's like saying hashtag sunny sunshine I think that I take issue with it right because I understand the origin of it because people assumed that Kobe Bryant was disappointed to only have girls so he always went out of his way to be like, I'm not disappointed. Like everyone being like, oh, do you hope the next one's a boy? Do you hope the next one's a boy? And he always said, no, there's no part of me that looks at my children and wishes they were another gender, basically. Yeah, isn't that you, positive? That, that is positive for him. Like he is, he is the only person that I think is like, that's not problematic at all. Absolutely, it's brilliant that he said that. The idea that all of these men who weren't asked, do you wish you had a son, was like, by the way, I don't care that I had girls, is so performative. Like, I'm one of three girls. Yeah, your dad is literally a girl dad. Like I, But he would never call himself a girl dad because he'd just be like, I'm a dad. Yeah, he's a dad. But like, maybe if he was a millennial and he was on Instagram... He would just be posting with his girls and it would be like, girl, dad. I, I just don't see what's offensive. It's not every the, hashtag would be offensive. Just, it, it, I think that what it does is underline the idea that like most people do think, oh, what a burden to have had a girl, not a boy. Um, and the historical fact. They had the one child rule in China and baby so girls were being thrown in the trash. Like, it's a fact. That? Like, historically male sons were preferred in some cultures boys are still preferred now we're in a situation where people online are like oh you know me and my daughters and it's just like hashtag girl dad the reason why I think the hashtag has been created is because yes boys used to be preferred and now when people get to choose when people are asked what do they prefer people now say they want to have a girl there's literally been a cultural shift okay maybe that's the case I certainly have not like seen or encountered any kind of articles about like oh now people are saying oh, I'd prefer to have a girl oh no I read something about that when people can choose the sex of their baby more people are preferring to have girls now but I just don't understand like the performative the but everything perform- on Instagram is a performance yeah absolutely it totally you know, I don't know I just didn't see that girl dad thing and see it come from a negative place and I have a couple of people that I know who like only have girls just like I have a couple of people I know who only have boys and I have a, a close friend of mine who's actually a single dad because his wife passed away and I think just the way he is with his girls and he always focuses on like really empowering his girls and like making sure that they're confident making sure that they're strong making sure they always know they have options and making sure that they always know that he has their back mm. and I think he's an awesome girl dad so I just don't know because every time you give an example you always give the girl dad one you know because it fucking dropped off the face of the earth is why and to be clear I think that fathers of girls like 
there's no part of me that's just trying to diss that not at all certainly in the example of your friend who is raising his daughters as a single dad like that's amazing but even when you extrapolated on that example you said like he's in he's raising empowered women strong women women who know they have options that is so different to just being like she's a girl She's not an empowered girl. She's not a strong girl. She's not a girl who knows she has options. She's not even a fucking sporty girl in this hashtag. But the hashtag did come from Kobe. And Kobe was all about, like, investing in his girls and saying, like, yeah, maybe people thought I'd have a son, but she can carry on my legacy. Like, I'm good. Right. Which is why I think that that is something that belongs to him. But anyway... Like yeah. the challenge no, I was of the internet in general is that you cannot just like how you know with Taylor Swift I'm like I don't really know her intention like you could, you could just never really know what people are trying to do. Yeah, <laughs> that's true as well. That's true as well. <laughs> you just don't know what's going on. You just see and I posted something. I said it's so funny when you've got friends or people that you know that are toxic and then you see them posting all their like motivational stuff on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Like it can just be so night and day. The person who's online and the person that you actually know. No, for sure. So, yeah. I mean, that's me. That's all of my rants done. (laughs) He's so stressed out. I have been ranting this whole episode, and I can only apologise to everyone, but I obviously had a lot of stuff on my mind. Yeah, you've you've definitely got a lot on your mind, but I think... um, But I need to watch that incel movie. (laughs) I'm so traumatised. But I don't know people like that. You know, I'm very, um, you know, I feel so blessed to be relatively mainstream. Mm-hmm. Like I've lived such a mainstream life. I've just oh done mainstream. God. I've just done mainstream things. <laughs> you know, I didn't like <laughs> fall off into like, into the uh, the dark web and the dark stuff. Um, I've lived such a mainstream life. I've always got to know more. The internet for me is like... No, but that's the thing. You discover so much because yeah, yeah, yeah. if you really meet these people, even if somebody was this or they were a recovering incel, they would never have this conversation with you, would they? No. Mm-mm. You never know people's past, right? Although as I've been reading about it, I keep saying to my husband, do you think we know any incels? Do you think we know someone who could be an incel? It's like... I'm trying to rack my brain mm-hmm. uh, to try and think. And then I'm, I'm interested in the incel... <laughs> movement i was gonna have a go at, at feminist today but like, i'm gonna save that for the next episode <laughs> like crazy. but i googled it now and i only see white guys yeah no absolutely sorry another fucking huge red flag if only white straight males are involved in it it is almost definitely toxic why do you think that is why do you think they're not other guys I do think that actually, if you dive a little bit deeper, if a black guy had gone and shot up a place and killed ten um, women, it would have been injured. For, but no, no, other aspects. Because a big thing of the incel thing is um, being short, and they think really? like short is the worst thing that you can ever be. People don't ever understand the pain of of being short. Blah blah blah. And so, short guys get a lot of action. By the way, I mean. I don't think being short is really an issue. Also, most women are short. So, like, yeah. I'm five, not, I'm not even quite five one. So, even if you are five seven, which I know is like short by men's standards. Okay, you I don't think five seven, is, five seven is not short by male standards. That's average height. That's, that's how tall my dad is. Yeah, like average height for men, I think, is five foot seven. 
but yeah so i think that like that's that's a prevalent theme as well if you dive a little bit deeper it is not restricted to only white men mm. because other things like come up obviously racism yeah. is right apparently tall exactly that's what i'd like to ask you because i think it must be linked with a lot of like you know racism anti-semitism stuff like that but if there is an incel listening to our podcast i know that thinks that they're short right tall five foot eight to five foot ten is tall right five foot eleven to six foot is very tall six foot one to three is extremely tall yeah and six foot four plus is giant so my husband is 6'2". My sister's boyfriend is 6'4". They are like, very extremely tall. Extremely tall. And my cousin's boyfriend, when we were all together last summer back in Ireland, so my cousin came over from LA with her boyfriend. Her boyfriend was 6'7". And we were just like... Oh, I mean, 6'7 is a giant. It, oh, he's absolutely... But like the thing is, he doesn't seem disproportionately tall until you see him standing next to the people that you're already like oh I know Charles is tall yeah. it's crazy but yeah so racism is very permissive within these groups yeah um so and... for a man five foot four to five foot five is short five foot six is on the short side okay. five foot eight is not that tall and five foot ten is on the tall side this sounds like a really scientific measurement. <laughs> For clarity, yeah. <laughs> so interesting. It's so interesting. Honestly, you won't be able to stop reading about it. There's one plastic surgeon that they're all obsessed with because he does like chin implants, jaw implants, because they're all obsessed with this super hyper-masculine, like square-jawed look. Mm. It's insane. It's it insane. sounds to me like body dysmorphia. And this is what the article also goes on to explore, that there is a high overlap, you know, maybe in some realms, if we had better access to mental health services, would this be a movement at all? Yeah, it's a mental health issue. It's definitely a mental health issue, especially if it's now going towards the plastic surgery. Now, I need to read out one more bit from this article because it's absolutely so insane. So. The journalist goes on, she meets this Dr. Epley character that they're all obsessed with, that they all think can make them into the chads. So there are 10,000 blog posts on his website, things about neck muscle implants, things about can my face be changed to look like somebody else, blah, 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 skull reshaping, all of it. One of the other blog posts is, what is the maximum size of testicular enlargement implants? The largest that Epley has done so far is seven centimeters in diameter. Blah, blah, blah. He literally is sitting with this journalist in his office. He shows her the testicular implant. He hands her one that's too big for her to get her hands around. And it's just one of those things that it became prevalent. Like they developed it basically for patients who had lost a testicle because of cancer. And then Epley dreamt up a way to improve the feel and to appeal to those whose testicles function. All aesthetic surgery comes from reconstructive surgery, Epley tells me. Like everything in life, you just apply one situation to another. He's not exactly sure why a patient would want testicles of dinosaur egg size, but that's true of many of his procedures, and he just basically doesn't ask questions. Okay, so that's a surgery that you can actually do? That's a surgery that you can actually do. I mean, basically, what he's saying is dream it, do it. Like. Do you know what? I've got a headache. 
implants. I've got, I've really got a headache. I've really got a headache. No. I, can't, I can't go. My God, like, believe you me, this has been my week. I'm out. Like, guys, I'm going to post all of this information. I really hope you read it. I'm also going to try and watch the film. I think I'll have to do it without Charles because he's going to be like, oh, you are full on obsessed. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't think you've um, got time. I don't think you've got time for this. No. Even in quarantine, I don't think. Oh, actually, sorry, just one other thing, right? So you also have women who absolutely subscribe to this way of thinking. They refer to themselves as femcel if they are the ones who are celibate. But, like, there's literally a whole subculture of women who talk about this book called The Surrendered Wife. And The Surrendered Wife is about how... Oh, so they blame men? No. So fem cells typically blame themselves. The reason that they are celibate is because they're ugly, they're fat, they are like whatever, whatever hideous malformation you can possibly think of. That's what they'll say about themselves. And they'll be like, oh, of course, men would go for more attractive women. But the surrendered wife is literally about your life exists to make your your partner's life easier. You should be keeping a home within the house. You know, you should be cooking a meal. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. So the femme cell is in a relationship? No, the surrendered wife is within a relationship. The oh, femme okay. celibate. I'm going to try and read the surrendered wife, guys. I don't know if I'll get through it because we live in an egalitarian household. So it might not go down too well with me, but I'm certainly going to give it a go. And maybe I can update you guys next week. I'm done. My head hurts. I'm so grateful sorry to live a mainstream i'm just gonna go out have dinner with my very good looking husband (laughs) just gonna have a normal conversation normal life met a man we're chilling yeah (laughs) (laughs) we're good we're fine he's patient every this podcast Juliet's husband has to come in and help us get set up. He never says anything. He never complains. He's just very patiently is like, no, you've clicked the wrong button again. And he's like, enjoy your podcast. <laughs> like, so grateful. After reading this, I'm like, oh my goodness, I need to go. I need to thank God every day. Thank you so much for listening this week. Thank I'm you for indulging us because we've really gone on a rampage. We really have. Yeah, we've had a little um, this week, but um, if you've come across this incel thing, let us know your experience because it just sounds nuts. Like you, Meghan Markle, as in we'll drag this out. We'll put it in as many episodes as we can. We I don't think know. I can. I can't cope. Now that I've discovered Femcel. As long as you don't get a Reddit account because <laughs> I really recommend not doing that. I've really lost a lot of hours of my week. Yeah, I'm completely, completely, completely traumatised. But yeah, but thank you for listening, guys. Please share the podcast with a friend and follow us at Jewel Phoebe on Instagram. We would love to hear from you. We take listener questions. If you've got any questions um, that you want to ask us, just reach out and maybe we'll be featured on the show. Much love, guys. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.